Hey, welcome back to Official Time Out with me, your host, Overreactor. Today, we will be launching into the summary of the WFTDA rulebook. But first, let's take care of a little bit of business. I'm really excited by the response that the roller derby community has given me from this podcast. It seems like you guys are really excited that this is happening, and it seems like something that a lot of people want and have been hoping for for a long time. In fact, I got a message from, hold up, I forget your name. I'm so sorry. Let me pull up the message. It's from a guy. <laughs> If I got a nickel for every time I got a message from a guy, that's not true. I don't get messages from guys. Uh, okay, he said, oh, um, Jonathan, and I won't say your last name because I don't know people in privacy or whatever, but Jonathan, you know who you are. Uh, he said that he has a job where he can listen to things all day and that <laughs> he listened to the rules read by a computer voice and that it was uh, really painful and boring. And I can imagine how painful and boring that must have been. I've it was like this is the engagement zone this is the apex jump oh my lord well you know I may not be perfect but I think I can be like at least one notch above the entertainment value of a computer robot. So yeah, that's awesome. Okay, another business is that this podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts and Podbean. Those are the two newest ones that I've been alerted to their existence since the last episode aired. And finally, I want to talk about a couple of clarifications that were brought to my attention from the previous episode. And thank you so much Good and Eva and Aggie Battery. They were listening to this on their way to Southern Discomfort. They sent me an email to let me know just a couple of things that um, I talked about in episode two, which was part two of the glossary, that just needed uh, some specifications and some clarity. I said that not fielding a jammer would be considered an illegal procedure, and that's not true. It's an interference penalty. So uh, that would be a delay of game not an illegal procedure. It would be coded differently as far as the paperwork is concerned. So that's really a really important clarification. And then I talked about there being three seats in the penalty box and that, um, what did I say? Something about there could only be two blockers and one jammer in the box, but that's not exactly true. If there is a third blocker in queue for the penalty box and there are two blockers sitting in the box, as soon as one of them stands, the third blocker can enter the box and sit in the seat, which is what you do in seats, you sit in them, they could sit in that seat while the other blocker is standing. So that that is a really great point. Because when I was recording it, I'm like, why would they only have one blocker available on the track unless one was fouled out? And I completely forgot about that penalty box scenario that during that 10 seconds, someone else can sit so there could be that overlap. So thank you so much, Aggie for helping to clarify that because I really want to keep this podcast as close to 100% accurate as possible, which is why in the beginning I was like, I'm going to read straight from the book. I'm not going to banter. I'm not going to get sidetracked. I, um, oh, I'm getting a phone call from my mom right now. Let's see what she has to say. Mom? Hey. Hey. Yeah. Um, hey, I don't know how I dialed you. 
Yeah, I think you butt dialed me earlier. I did? You must have because, oh, you're talking about just now? Yeah. Oh, no, you called me like 10 minutes ago. I did? Yeah, all okay, I heard. I, I remember I touched something and then it said uh, call ended or whatever. Yeah, it was pretty clear to me that I was inside your purse in my ear. Yeah. <laughs> you doing okay? Um, yeah, actually, I'm recording some stuff for my podcast right now. And do, do you consent to no. me having this audio no. in the podcast? Oh, but my question for you is, can I use this audio in my podcast? Yes. Oh, okay, because I'm recording, and I'm like, oh, my mom's calling me. Let's see what my mom has to say. <laughs> so I'll make well, that a goal. Well, thank you for butt dialing me, Mom. You are so welcome, my darling. <laughs> you have a good podcast. Oh, I love you. I love you, too. And uh, if you think of that question, feel free to call me back. Okay, bye. That was my mom. Um, we'll see if I decide to keep that in this recording or not. It's just too, it's too hard for me when I hit stop on the recording because then I have to like cue it back up and la la la. So I just cut it out later. I just do the whole thing and then I just cut it down. Post, post production. Um, where was I that it's, oh, okay, so I was talking about wanting to make this podcast as close to 100% accurate as possible, and that the only way to do that was to read straight from the rule book. Oh, right, but when I was doing that, I'm like, this is not at all entertaining, so I figured I'll talk about it and then go off topic a little bit and kind of summarize it in my own words, but please understand, in doing so, I'm pulling information you know immediately and I I don't have a co-host at this time to kind of fact check me (laughs) fact check me that is a tongue twister so since I don't have a co-host at this time to fact check me I definitely need to rely on you guys the listeners to um, help me if if I have a little slip up like this please please send me an email at overreactor at gmail.com o-v-a-r-y-a-c-t-o-r at gmail.com please let me know so that in the following podcast I can just make those clarifications because I really do want this to be a hundred percent right and inevitably this isn't going to be the last time guys inevitably there's going to be something that I stumble on or am not 100% right and maybe even there's something I say that you think needs a little more information to make it more clear please let me know um so that because I would really I would really hate it if um if something happens and then in a game it's like well overreactor said in her podcast that it's an illegal procedure no I don't I don't want that to happen Uh, so thank you so much uh good and Eva and Aggie Battery for taking the time to send that I definitely appreciate the feedback and you guys are amazing and um let us go ahead and dive on in to the summary this is where the rules begin and so this way especially if you are completely unfamiliar with the rules. This will be a great way to kind of expand upon what we talked about with the glossary. Okay, let's get started with the summary. The game Flat Track Roller Derby is played on a flat oval track. Play is broken up into two 
30-minute periods and within those periods into units of play called jams, which last up to two minutes. There are 30 seconds between each jam. During a jam, each team fields up to five skaters. Four of these skaters are called blockers. Together, the blockers are called the pack, and one is called a jammer. The jammer wears a helmet cover with a star on it. I feel like you guys are pretty much experts on this part by now. The two jammers start each jam behind the pack and score a point for every opposing blocker they lap each lap. Because they start behind the pack, they must get through the pack and then all the way around the track to be eligible to score points on opposing blockers. Roller derby is a full contact sport. However, skaters cannot use their heads, elbows, forearms, hands, knees, lower legs, or feet to make contact to opponents. Skaters cannot make contact to the opponents, heads, backs, knees, lower legs, or feet. Play that is unsafe or illegal may result in a skater being assessed a penalty, which is served by sitting in the penalty box for 30 seconds of jam time. Here's the most important part. The team with the most points at the end of the game wins. So that's how you win roller derby. Mm-hmm. A common jam might go like this. Blockers line up behind the pivot line and in front of the jammer line. Jammers line up behind the jammer line. At the jam starting whistle, the blockers skate forward and compete for superior position. The jammers skate forward and try to get through the pack. Each blocker simultaneously tries to prevent the opposing jammer from getting past and to help their own jammer get through. One jammer exits the pack and is declared lead jammer, earning the right to end the jam when they decide. This jammer races around the track to get into scoring position. The same jammer begins to work their way through the pack for a second time and the opposing jammer makes their way out of the pack for the first time. As the second jammer to escape the pack comes around into scoring position, the first jammer calls off the jam. The first jammer has scored points up to four and held their opponent at zero points. Meanwhile, the opposing jammer, by getting into scoring position, held the first jammer at only those points as they could have scored more points on subsequent passes. And that's how a common game might go. Oh, I don't think I ever... (laughs) There's one more little fun piece of business that I'll just say here because I forgot to say it earlier. Some of you have seen on YouTube, I have a series of videos called Casebook Scenarios with Overreactor, and you could find them probably just by searching Casebook Scenarios with Overreactor. I go through all the different... Not all of the different Casebook Scenarios. I go through a lot of Casebook Scenarios, which are really fun, and you should check them out. I feel like I had just as much fun with those as I do with these. But I mentioned this because I think there was one of the casebook scenarios that went over jammer lap points. So if you're listening to this podcast and and then you see on YouTube, what? Overy also has casebook scenario videos and you're watching those, you may see one that talks about jammer lap points. If you aren't aware that that has been removed from the rule book, then you may still think it's a thing. So just make sure you know what the most recent update was so that you could be getting the most accurate information. That is my side note. Okay, 
Moving on to section one, game parameters and safety. 1.1 timing. A game lasts for 60 minutes of play divided into two 30-minute periods with a halftime between them. Periods are broken into jams, which are the basic unit of play for roller derby. A jam can last up to two minutes. Jams may be called off prior to two minutes as part of gameplay as described below. Each jam starts with a single short whistle blast and finishes at the end of a series of four short whistle blasts. At least 30 seconds must elapse between jams. More than 30 seconds may not elapse unless a timeout is called. A period starts on the jam starting whistle of the first jam for that period. The period clock does not stop between jams unless a timeout is called. If the period clock reaches zero before the next jam has started, the period ends at that moment. Otherwise, the period ends at the conclusion of the final jam for the period. So as long as the final jam of the period begins before the period clock ends, the jam will continue. But if the period clock ends before the jam starting whistle is blown, then it's over. Cool. Got it. If a jam is called off due to officiating discretion, see section 5.2, or there is an officiating error that potentially impacted the outcome, as in winner or loser, of the game, and there are less than 30 seconds remaining on the period clock at the end of the game, including when the period clock has expired, an additional jam may be run at the discretion of the head referee. This additional jam will have the same form. Overtime or not, see section 1.5.1 as the jam that ended and be part of the same period. Okay, 1.2 teams. A team is comprised of skaters who must be uniquely identified by a roster number. Each team must have a jersey of the same base color such that uniform colors of the two teams playing are of high contrast. Roster numbers must be clearly displayed on a skater's back and upper arm areas. Each team must have different helmet covers to clearly indicate who their jammer and pivot are. The jammer and pivot helmet covers for the two teams must be easy to differentiate. Skaters must wear quad-style roller skates and protective gear during gameplay. Inline skates are not permitted. Protective gear may not be removed during play either. Don't do that. Protective gear may not impair or interfere with the safety or play of other skaters, support staff, or officials. Skaters who are injured during play may return to play as long as they are no longer apparently injured or bleeding. A skater whose injury alters the flow of the game, an example includes a jam being called off, period clock stoppage, or a substitute being seated in the penalty box, that skater may not participate during the following three jams, extending into the following period if necessary. A skater whose injury alters the flow of the game more than once in a period may not participate as a skater for the rest of that period. The head referee may also declare that a team has forfeited in the game if the team has five or fewer skaters eligible to participate or refuses to field skaters on the track to continue play. Okay, so I mean, yeah, if a team is like, we're not putting blockers on the track, we're not putting any 
skaters on the track, then the head referee can say, then you forfeit the game. So I guess that's a really important thing to keep in mind too, that you want to put skaters on the track. If you want to be the team that has the most points at the end of the game, then you should put skaters on the track to get those points. All right, 1.3 timeouts. Teams and officials may stop the period clock by calling a timeout. Like this, the official timeout. (laughs) Timeouts may only be called between jams, though officials may end a jam in order to call an official timeout. The beginning of a timeout is marked by four short whistle blasts, and the end of a timeout is marked by a long rolling whistle blast, after which the next jam begins as soon as possible if there is time remaining on the period clock. At most, 30 seconds may pass before the next jam begins. The period clock starts again at the jam starting whistle. There are three types of timeouts. 1.3.1 team timeouts. Each team has three timeouts that they can take during the game. Team timeouts may be requested only by the team's captain or designated alternate. Penalized captains or designated alternates cannot request a team timeout. Team timeouts last for 60 seconds. 1.3.2 Official Reviews Each team begins the period with one official review, which they may use during that period. An official review is a formal request made by a team's captain or designated alternate for officials to review a specific officiating decision. The only officiating decisions that can be the subject of of an official review are those made during the prior jam or during the lineup time preceding the prior jam. The head referee investigates the review with other officials and uses the information gathered to render a decision on the item under review, as well as related decisions. The head referee then announces their findings and any changes that result from the review to both teams' representatives. The head referee then announces their findings and any changes that result from the review to both teams' representatives. This decision is final and not reviewable. If the head referee determines that an officiating error was made in relation to the situation under review, the team will retain the privilege to call an additional review later in the same period. The review can be retained in this manner only once per period. A team may also elect to use their official review as a team timeout. In this case, the review will not be retained. Penalized captains or designated alternates cannot request an official review. Official reviews, whether unused or retained, are not carried forward to the subsequent period. Okay, the other kind of timeout, 1.3.3, official timeouts. Officials may take a timeout in order to ensure that the game is running smoothly and correctly. If the prior jam ended with less than 30 seconds on the period clock, the fact that the officials call a timeout will not necessarily result in another jam occurring in the same manner that a team timeout or official review would. Instead, the officials must determine whether or not there is reason to hold another jam for that period. If the officials determine that there is no reason to hold another jam, both teams must be given a chance to call a team timeout or official review if they have any remaining. If they decline, the period will end. Okay, 
recapping on 1.3, three types of timeouts, team timeouts, official reviews, and official timeouts. Good job, guys. I think we're ready to move on to 1.4, game information. Critical game information must be displayed in a manner that is highly visible to teams, officials, and spectators. This displayed critical game information is considered official and must include, at minimum, three things. The period clock, the jam clock, and the official score. Errors in timing or score should be updated as quickly as possible. If an error persists for an extended period of time, it should be corrected only if the correction itself would have minimal impact on the game. Say it with me. Period. Clock the jam. Clock the official score. The period. Clock the jam. Clock the official score. That's the critical game information that must be displayed in a manner that is highly visible to teams, officials, and spectators. The period clock, the jam clock, the official score. So that brings us to 1.5, winning. The team with the most points at the end of the game wins. And you'll know which team won because the official score will be displayed in a manner that is highly visible to teams, officials, and spectators. And that's how you know who has the most points. Okay, the final thing in section one regarding game parameters and safety is overtime. If the game ends and the score is tied, the second period will be extended by at least one additional jam. This overtime jam is like any other jam with two exceptions. No lead jammer is declared and both jammers begin scoring on their first trip through the pack. Each jammer is in position to lap opposing blockers on their first earned pass of those blockers. More jams will be added in this manner until a jam ends with the score no longer tied. Okay, so that brings us to the end of game parameters and safety. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Next Monday, I'll post the next episode, which will go over the beginning of section two of the rule book, which will begin the talk of gameplay. And there are going to be casebook scenarios associated with this section. Section one does not have any casebook scenarios associated with it. So when we start getting into casebook scenarios, it's going to take us a little bit more time to get through each of the five major sections of the rule book. Um, let's see, the five sections are, well, there's the summary, but the first section is game parameters and safety, which we just did. Then we have gameplay, scoring, penalties, and officiating. And in addition to those five sections, there's the appendix, the glossary, and the casebook, and we are already uh, glossary experts we should feel really fancy about ourselves. Anyway, thanks again for everyone for the feedback, and I hope you're as excited as I am about these rules because it's a very special group of people who get into this kind of stuff. (laughs) All right, I'll talk to you next Monday. Bye-bye.